feeling super inspired this morning. Christine and I went to Atlanta last night. This has nothing to do with the sermon. just has to do with me rambling for a second. And we went to the Circus Olay last night, and I have a new vision. Because I've told you for a while now that we're probably going to lose this building probably in the next three to four years at a cell. We're going to move into a circus tent. Like, it was amazing last night. I went into a circus tent last night that had bathrooms, had heat, had air, had carpet, had seating in the round. I'm inspired. The circus tent arena, and it just seems to fit Action Church. Does it not? Us in a circus tent, it's going to be incredible. I don't expect you to be excited about it right now, but trust me, it's going to happen one day. Hey, so back to the sermon, man. We are in the second week of a series that we've been calling Tis the Season. And i got to tell you how I plan out messages. I plan out messages probably about a month in advance. I plan out the individual sermons. And I very rarely waver from what I plan out. I feel like I pray about what I'm supposed to be teaching. I feel like I kind of get a vibe of the heartbeat of our church if there's certain things I think as a group people are struggling with. And I'm pretty dogmatic in this is week one. This is week two, this is week three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what we were going to do with this series was I had a couple of random topics I wanted to talk about. And so I didn't want to necessarily talk about these specific topics for three weeks or four weeks. So I said, man, we'll just call it Tis the Season. And I, the first week of the series, we said Tis the Season to forgive. And, and I was going to talk about Tis the Season to chase your dreams. And I was just going to do different topics every week. And I still plan on that after this week. But last week, we kicked off the series talking about Tis the Season to forgive. And, and I talked about how forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give yourself. And I have to be honest with you, and I don't know why, because I've been doing this gig for a long time, and, I, and it shouldn't surprise me because it happens every time I teach on this subject, but I was blown away by the response from people saying they needed that message this holiday season, that they needed a message about realizing the importance of forgiving. And last week, I talked about forgiveness in the past tense. I talked about how it, what happened to you in the past, for many of you, is still affecting you today. And we talked about how you forgive, not for the person who wronged you. You forgive for yourself, selfishly, for the benefits that it brings you. And we talked about the physical benefits, and we talked about how stress eats away at you. We talked about the emotional benefits. We talked about the relational benefits. We talked about the spiritual benefits. And at the end of the message, I gave you a couple of quick hits and said, hey, I I told you the benefits of it. Here's some ways real quickly, man, you can forgive. And I didn't hit on it long. We were out of time. That really wasn't the point of the message. The point of the message was, here's the benefits to yourself on why you should forgive. That being said, I probably had about 15 to 20 messages this week with people wanting to expand and wanting me to elaborate more on what it takes to forgive someone who has wronged you. Because here's the deal. Sometimes it's real, real easy to talk about things. It's easy to get up here and say, you ought to forgive people. It's a whole nother story when you got to put that into action. It sounds really good. It's kind of like getting your body in shape. There's not a person here today who would tell you, man, I don't think it's better for me to be in shape 
as opposed to being out of shape. There's not a person here today that would say, man, I, I, I feel better when I eat right and I train right as opposed to when I eat whatever I want and sit around and get fat. No one would argue that. The difference is when you have to put it into action. I love to talk about getting in shape. I love the idea of being in shape. I don't think Canton could handle that much sexiness, me being in shape. So I choose not to put it into action yet. Because I just know the world couldn't handle that. It's easy to talk about. It's hard to do. Forgiveness is easy to talk about. But it's hard to do. I used to hate when I went to church. I didn't grow up in church. I, my family got in church right when I was about 16 or 17 years old. They didn't force me to go. I really didn't get into church until I was about 20 years old. And the preacher would get up and tell us all the things we shouldn't do, we shouldn't worry about, and he would just scream at us all the time, but never tell us how we don't go about doing those things. It always bothered me. And the answer would always be, well, how do you do that? Just give it to God. What does that mean? And I believe you all give things to God, but, but what does that mean? Especially when you had this book, as I begin to study it, that I realize gives you step by step everything you need to do what he commands us to do. God's never going to call you to do anything where he hasn't already laid out a way for you to do it. The Bible says in Isaiah, he says, he says I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. Now what he says is, is though you don't see how it's going to happen, though you don't know what's around the bend, don't worry about it. God is like a bushwhacker, man. He's got the hedge out and he's trimming the trees and he's clearing the path for us to follow. And he's not going to say, hey, here's something that I think is so beneficial to you and something so important to you, you ought to forgive people and then not tell us how to go about forgiving people. Last week I told you that carrying unforgiveness is like carrying a ball and chain like the prisoners used to carry. They say those, those, those ball and chains used to weigh anywhere from 50 to 75 pounds. And they said that it would cause sores and, and so much problems to the prisoners' legs that they would literally amputate their own legs to eliminate the pain. When they were outlawed in the country, they said prison morale went up, prison escapes dropped, work became more productive because they were no longer carrying around this ball and chain. What you need to realize is, is the person who hurt you, the person who screwed you over, the person who betrayed you, and the person who did you wrong, and the person who you have resentment to, the person you have bitterness to, the person that you get up every day thinking about and praying for their demise, let me give you a newsflash, baby, they don't think about you. So guess what? What they did to you isn't affecting them, but it's affecting you. You live with it every day. You allow them to hurt you over and over and over. So you don't forgive for them. You forgive for yourself. Last week we stayed in the past. I told you, what is the thing that you're holding on to? And man, so many of you just unleashed on me with stories. I get it. Today, we're not going to talk about the past at all. We're not going to live where the hurt was. We're going to live where the hurt is. And how do we eliminate that hurt? The fact that somebody hurt you in the past, let me make this clear. Nothing you can do about it. 
I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to blow it off. I'm not saying it wasn't a big deal. I'm simply saying there is no DeLorean in that parking lot that you can get in, punch in a code, go back in time, and eliminate that hurt from happening. Life happens. Someone hurts you, not trying to minimize it, but join the club, baby. Stand in line. Man, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, got the scars, got the bruises to prove it. You're not special because you got betrayed. Maybe you need to hear that news flash today. You can play the martyr. It's so wrong what someone did to me. It probably is so wrong what someone did to you. But you're not alone. But, Gary, you don't know what it was they did. You're right. And, again, I do not want to minimize that. But I do know this. If it's in the past, you can't do anything about it. What you can do in the present is give yourself the incredible gift of forgiveness. You no longer have to carry around that unforgiveness mentality. That hurt that happened, there's nothing we can do. We can't go back in time. And though while many of you are still living there today because of what happened, in order to forgive, you've got to look to the future. Listen, forgiveness is a futuristic thing. You're giving yourself the gift of freedom. You're reaching down and unleashing the ball and chain from your leg where that person can't be followed you around anymore. You're not carrying them around anymore. In order for your future to flourish, you've got to make peace with your past. I'm going to repeat that. We're coming up on a new year and a new you. And this one's a really good one because it's not only a new year and a new you. It's a new decade. Like, I can't wait for the negativity on Facebook. Last 2019 sucked. I'm going to dominate 2020. This year's going to be, the, 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 the 2010 sucked. I'm going to dominate the 20s. No, you're not. Not if you don't learn to let go of the past. I'm going to get real cliche preachery because every preacher in America is about to start this series January 1st. 2020 vision for your life. Get a 2020 vision, blah, blah, blah. Let's get a 2020 vision for your life, though. And the way you get a 2020 vision for your life in 2020 is to let go of what happened in 2019. Quit having a 2018 vision. Quit having a 2015 vision. Quit having a 1998 vision, whatever year it was somebody hurt you, and you start living in the present instead of the past. The only way your future is going to be the future you were created for is to let go of the past. And I get it. All sounds great. But how do we do that? And we're going to talk about that today. And you're going to be amazed at how simple the steps are. How simple the steps are to say. They're not simple to do. Because in order to do them means you have to trust that God is in control 100%. And very few people do that. We trust God in the areas we want to trust God in, and we trust God with as much control as we want to allow God to have, but we like to hang on to it a little bit. And that's why you can't let go of the past. You're operating in a 3D world. Height, depth, width, the third-dimensional world. That's the world that we live in. Let me make this very clear to you today. In a 3D world, in the world that we live in, the natural world, it is impossible to forgive. It goes against everything that we are. 
It goes against our human nature to forgive those that have wronged us. We're wired to hold a grudge. We're wired to be angry. We're wired to want to get revenge. That's the natural 3D world, but here's the deal. We don't live once you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ in a 3D world. We go to a whole nother level and we go to a 4D world. We don't operate in the natural. We operate in the supernatural. And so I'm going to show you today how we enter into that fourth dimension. And how we get the steps to allow us to be able to take the steps that we need to. And because I'm a good preacher and I like to make every Baptist happy... And anybody that's been to a Baptist church knows that every point has to start with the same world. And since I'm telling you how to have a 4D world, we're going to have four points that all start with D. And it's going to be really good. (laughs) But before we do that, I want to establish some ground games for a minute. Before I start talking to you about how to forgive, I want to remind you today of what forgiveness is not. That's hugely important. Because we have a misconception about what forgiveness is. And because we have a misconception about what forgiveness is, we're not willing to forgive. So let me make this very clear to you. First of all, forgiveness is not approval of what they did. When you forgive somebody, you're not telling that person, it's okay, I approve of how you screwed me over. I, 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 I approve of how you were inappropriate to me. I approve of how you hurt me. That's not what forgiveness is. It's not excusing what they did. It's very important. Christine, will you please go out there to that lobby and ask them to step on the other side of the wall, please, to the kids' area? I understand sometimes that kids are just kids, and I understand that completely, and that's why we have a phenomenal kids' area. It's not excusing what they did. It's the worst thing you can ever do. Making an excuse for someone who hurt you. So many of you do that. Well, they were just using. So? They were just mad. So? They were just going through a lot. So? That's an excuse. You offering forgiveness is not excusing what they did. It's not justifying what they did. It's not pardoning what they did. This is an important one. It's not restoring the relationship with that person. Do you know you can forgive someone and never restore the relationship with them again? Again, if someone hurts you in that type of manner, why would you want to restore a relationship with them? Unless God specifically laid it on your heart to restore that relationship. It's important that we know these things. Because so many people say, I can't forgive, but what they're saying is, I can't forgive because if I forgive, I'm approving, I'm excusing, I'm justifying, I'm pardoning, and I'm restoring. No, you're not. You're just simply giving yourself a gift. It's not denying what they did. It's not blindness to what they did. It's not forgetting what they did. It's not minimizing what they did. And it's not pretending They didn't hurt us. If you have your cameras today, you should open them up and take a picture of that. Because as you go through the process of forgiving those that hurt you, you're going to have to remind yourself of these things over and over. 
You're going to have to remind yourself, by me forgiving them, I'm not approving. By me forgiving them, I'm not excusing. By me forgiving, I'm not justifying. By me forgiving, I'm not pardoning. I'm not restoring. I'm not denying. I'm not being blind. I'm not forgetting. I'm not minimizing, and I'm not pretending that it didn't happen. Simply, with that, all those things are irrelevant to forgiveness because they have nothing to do with forgiveness. Here's forgiveness. Forgiveness is to release someone of the debt they owe you as a result of the pain they have caused you. It's releasing them of the debt because when they owe you a debt, that's when the grudge kicks in. That's when the anger kicks in. That's when the bitterness kicks in because you delight in hearing bad things happen to them. You get angry when good things are happening to them. You want them to suffer. You want their relationships to fall apart and their careers to fall apart. You want them to hurt like they've hurt you. And your obsession with them hurting like they've hurt you destroys you in the process because you're carrying around that ball and chain. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. So today, very quickly, and it's going to be quick. I'm going to show you how we go from a 3D life to a 4D life. What's the difference? 3D is the natural. Height, depth. What is it? Width. Width. 4D is a supernatural. It's walking in the Spirit. It's doing what the Bible says we should do where we can live the life we were created for. If I told you today the life you, you were created for, the purpose you were created for is there for your grasping, but you can't have it because of the ball and chain around your leg, and all you've got to do is get rid of that ball and chain, you'd do whatever it took to get rid of that ball and chain. You'd figure out a way to get rid of that ball and chain because it's consuming you. It's destroying you. It's impacting you. And it's keeping you from living the life you knew you were created for. I'm here to tell you today, I believe this with all my heart, so many of you are simply forgiving someone away from living the life you were created for. I'm passionate about this subject. I'm consumed with this subject. I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to this subject. They say the most dangerous drug dealers are those that use their own product because they're not in their right minds. I'm using my own product today. Man, I believe in the F-bomb. I believe we ought to drop the F-bomb nonstop because the F-bomb is the most powerful bomb there is, man. Forgiveness, that forgiveness bomb will set you free. I have people ask me all the time, man, how are you not angry about what this person said and you're not angry about what that person did? I refuse to live there. I refuse. I feel like I'm about as real of a preacher as I can be with you. There's areas that I preach on and I say, listen, I'm preaching to you today because the Bible says this, this, and this, but I suck at living it. There's other areas that say, man, I, the Bible says this and I'm trying to live it. I can say that for the most part in my life, in this area, it's probably one of the areas in my walk with God that I'm most in tune with. That doesn't mean I'm not angry at people. It doesn't mean I don't go through days of unforgiveness. 
But I think overall, if I was to honestly evaluate in my life, there's a lot of things people could say about me. He's a douchebag. He's an a-hole. He's a jerk. Man, he's this. He's that. And not a lot of things would say he's a bitter dude. He's an angry dude. I'm just not that way, but I was for years. We joke around, and everybody calls me the godfather that I got that because, man, I was the grudge-holding king. You couldn't hold a grudge better than me. You betrayed me. You, you left. Man, I would turn on you so quick, and years later, I, hey, have you ever had a grudge against somebody? And it's been so long that you don't even remember what the grudge was about, but you know there was a grudge? That was me. I don't remember why I don't like them, but they're not allowed back. I don't remember what they did to me, but I know I'm angry at them. Don't bring them around. That's pathetic. And over the years, I've learned to get victory in this area, and I want you to get victory in this area because it's so freeing not to have the ball and chain around your legs. It's incredible because people are going to hurt you. You're not going to avoid that. It's impossible to avoid. It cannot happen. So you can live in your fantasy world and think no one's going to hurt you, or you can do the unhealthy thing. It's like, I'm just not getting close to anybody again because they might hurt me. Or you can accept that in life you're going to get hurt by people, and many times it's the people you love the most, but you're going to decide that they're not going to control you with their hurt. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to defer to God. First D in 4D living, we're going to defer to God. In order to forgive those that have hurt you, in order to drop the F-bomb, in order to quit dragging around that ball and chain, it, 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 to finally get to the point where the person who hurt you years ago is not still hurting you today, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to defer to God. You've got to realize this. Forgiveness is not a me thing. Because in my power, I can't do it. Forgiveness is a God thing. Without God, and I'm not going to be that preacher that says, just give it to God. I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you. But everything starts with God. You cannot forgive without the power of God in your life. As I have dealt with unforgiveness in my life, as I've learned that the only way for me to truly move on is I have to give it to God. God, I want to kill this person. God, I want to destroy this person. It almost scares me. Oh, confession's good for the soul, bad for the ego. It almost scares me how dark I can be. Because I want to destroy people. I want them in agony. And I think about them being in agony and their life's falling apart and I feel zero remorse about it. Well, I'll never be back here. You're creepy. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Luckily, though, I've learned to defer to God. When I'm walking in the Spirit, when I'm walking with God, when I'm like, God, this is your thing. I'm deferring to you. And you know why I can do that when it comes to God? Because God 
forgave me. The creator of the universe, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who looked at us saw nothing and created something, forgives me. I want to forgive others. I want to do it. But I can't do it in my own power, God. In order for me to forgive, I've got to have the mind that you have. I've got to be walking in your footsteps, in your ways, because in the essence, God is forgiveness. And isn't it funny how hard it is for us to give forgiveness, but how easy it is for us to want forgiveness when we screw up? I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. I'll shut up because everybody's a hypocrite. There ain't a person here today that in their natural state gives forgiveness like they want to receive forgiveness. That makes you a hypocrite. It means you want something you're not willing to give. I messed up. I'm sorry. Just forgive me. Man, but you can't forgive anybody, man. You hold it over their head forever. <laughs> forgiveness is a God thing. There's a great story in John chapter 20 because it all goes back to the Bible. I want to give you a little bit of context before reading it. Jesus has risen from the dead. I've heard preachers preach on this a thousand times, and they always go into the gifts of the Spirit here, speaking in tongues, prophecy, different things. I'm not touching those subjects. There's different views on those things. But the problem is, I don't care where you stand on that issue, you're missing the point of the verse. Because they read the first verse and don't go to the next verse. Jesus is risen from the dead. His brave disciples, the ones who said they would stand beside him, they're locked in a little room and they're scared to death. Jesus is dead. They don't know where he's at. Jesus shows up in the room. <laughs> they're afraid they're going to be the next one to die. Jesus rolls. He's like, hey, what's up, dude? I was dead. Back alive. Told you I would be. That's how I'd do it if I was Jesus. You know what I mean? And look what it says. And with that, and with what? Him walking in saying, I'm alive. Gary Lamb version, GLV. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Stop there. This is where it gets differing in the church world. At this moment, the disciples received the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus knew he was leaving the earth and he would no longer be with them physically, and he left the Holy Spirit to be with them spiritually to convict them and to guide them and to lead them. And every believer, when they enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, gets the Holy Spirit of God in their life. And I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher and get up and preach this verse. But in all my times of hearing this verse preached and preachers talking about what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, I've never, and I do not use that word lightly, I have never, in that same sermon, heard a preacher go to the very next verse. 22 says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Common sense would tell you that the next thing that he says would be somewhat an explanation of what receiving the Holy Spirit means. They'd never heard this word before. But for some reason, we skip this part because it's not emotional. It's not an outward sign. I'm not against any of those things, so do not think that I'm being sarcastic. Again, I, I'm very respectful of different beliefs in every area. But you cannot deny what the next verse says. The very next verse says, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive anyone's sins, 
Their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wow. Let me show you the significance of this. Jesus comes along. He breathes on them. He says, I know I'm leaving soon. I won't be able to be with you physically. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit to be with you spiritually. Man, we're getting way too deep today. That's not what I like to do. I like to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. But let's just get deep for a second. Now he addresses. He says, now you have the Holy Spirit of God coursing through your veins. And the very first thing he addresses is the power to forgive. Are you seeing anything that I'm saying here today? In their own power, they didn't have the ability to forgive. Walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God coursing through their veins, He says, you now have the ability to forgive. Forgive who? I don't know. Whoever wronged you, whoever hurt you, whoever betrayed you, whoever was disloyal to you. When you defer to God and you're walking in the spirit, there we're no longer walking in the natural. We can walk in the supernatural. And in the supernatural, we can forgive. Somebody clap. That's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I know it might have been too deep for some of you and wrong theology for some of you. But good God Almighty, we went verse by verse. That's what it says. Holy Spirit of God comes in your life. That's not Gary Lamb opinion. Holy Spirit of God, boom, go forgive. When you're walking with God, the ability to forgive is there. When you're not walking with God, the ability to stay bitter is there. That's powerful. Jesus had just done the work of forgiveness. He had died on the cross. His, 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 his resurrection was evidence of his perfectly righteous life. And now he's back, and he's talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a God thing. They received the Holy Spirit to come upon them, and forgiveness began to happen. If you're ever going to be able to forgive the person who hurt you, no matter what they did to you, my heart hurts for whatever they did to you. I get betrayal. I get hurt. I get backstabbing. I get people that you've invested in and drug out of crack houses turning on you. I get people who you've invested in their marriages over and over and over and their marriage falls apart and they attack you. Listen, if there's any area of life I've been there, done that, baby. Gary Lamb, I got the t-shirt to prove it. I get it. But why do you want to live there? Why do you want to live there? About three months ago, I was in a place and I ran into someone who I used to work with very closely 10 years ago. For five years before that, he was one of my best friends. I paid his salary for five years. I made sure his family was taken care of. When he screwed up, I covered it up. Made sure he didn't lose his job. Then 10 years ago, I lost everything and never talked to him again. And I ran into him. And the minute I ran into him, you could see his whole demeanor change. He got angry. I said, how you doing? And he walked away. Cool. Later on, someone that was with him sent me a message. They said, man, hey, hate that happened, man. He's still angry. And I thought to myself, how pathetic. I, I got to be honest with you. You know what I really thought? What a loser. 
In the last 10 years, he'd probably gained 120 pounds. He looked horrible. This guy was sharp back in the day. And I thought, something that I did, not even to him, has affected his life that bad for 10 years? And I'm not justifying what I did. I'm not approving of what I did. I'm not pardoning what I did. I'm not excusing what I did. I'm not doing any of the things I told you. I just thought, I, like, I, that's not real sympathetic. I just started laughing. I said, what a loser that he allows me to have that much control in his life that he can see me at a city function and get in his car and leave because one of 5,000 people there is me. Ball and chain. Like, it would almost be funny if it wasn't so sad. Like, I want to send him this message. Because, you know, here's the funny thing about that guy. I ain't thought about him in 10 years. I ain't thought about him since that. It's not even in my notes. I just thought about him right now. I ain't worried about him. Like, I'm, this don't even sound simple. I'm, I'm not very pastor-like anyway. I don't even care. Because I didn't even do it to him. But man, he's walking in the flesh. He can't let it go. What happened to his life? Man, this dude was sharp. He's one of the best I've ever seen at what he used to do. Now he's working in a warehouse driving a forklift. And, and nothing wrong with working in a warehouse and driving a forklift. Let me make that very clear. But this guy had a specialized gifting. He could have been on any stage in the country. And bitterness towards me. Wow, that's pathetic. Decide to take the initiative. Decide to take the initiative. First D is we're going to defer to God. The second D is we're going to decide. That's an important word. Because it means it's a choice. We're going to decide to take the initiative. You're going to decide to take the initiative to forgive. You cannot control what has been done to you. However, you can control whether you allow it to continue. Let me say that again. You cannot control what has been done to you. But you can control whether you continue to allow it. You don't get to go back in time and change what they did to you, but you get to wake up today in the present and say, I decide today I forgive. God gives us the grace to forgive, but we have the option on whether or not to make that choice or not. The power is there. The stuff is here. The gifting is here, but we make the choice. It's your call, my call on whether we forgive. Here's the reality. If you're the person who's been hurt, I've said this several times, but I'm going to say it again. If you're the person who's been hurt, the person who hurts you is not even thinking about you. They're just not. Literally, that person I ran into, I've not thought about in 10 years. But I'm sure every time he sees a barbecue and brews thing, a Southern Honor wrestling thing, a Facebook post thing, I'm kind of out there. I bet he just gets mad. 
I can picture him driving his forklift at work on his phone. <laughs> Slamming his phone. Pitiful. I'd say it to his face. You're pitiful. I'd say, sit down, let me preach a sermon to you real quick. You listen to him every Sunday for five years. You got one more in you. Decide to take the initiative. They hurt you. You can't change that. But you keep letting them hurt you by not forgiving. The only thing that I can control, check this out, it's real deep. The only thing that I can control is what I can control. <laughs> Let me repeat that because it's, it's so bam. The only thing I can control is what I can control. I don't understand why this lady, blah, blah. You don't have to understand. You don't get to control that lady. You don't get to control that man. Newsflash for you. Sorry. People suck sometimes. And so do you sometimes. You don't get to control them. But you get to control you. You decide to take the initiative. We serve an initiative-taking God. Before we were ever created, he sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Before we ever messed up, God had forgiven us. And over and over and over in this book is initiative-taking stories. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He, he, he cruised away, left the father... He came back. The father didn't have to accept him back. And the father took the initiative to bring him back home. Remember last week I talked about the king rolling the bling bling. I said, man, he forgave the guy debt. It was like a $10 million debt. Just looked at him and said, I forgive it. He decided to forgive the debt. He took the initiative. One day, um, Jesus told a story about a wealthy guy. And the wealthy guy hired some workers early in the day. Then he hired a worker at the last minute. At the end of the day, he paid the guy he hired at the last minute the same as he paid those that worked all day. And the people who worked all day got upset. And the guy said, it's my initiative what I pay. I pay what I want to pay. Does he deserve it? I felt led to do it. We serve an initiative taking God. You just talked about a gentleman. He was having this huge banquet, this black tie affair. And the guy who put it together went out and he said, go out to the highways and the hedges and I want you to invite everyone. Those with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, the haves and have-nots, the misfits and everybody to this black tie affair. I'm taking the initiative to open my home to them. God is an initiative thanking God. He's all about preemptive forgiveness. Before we ever needed the forgiveness, he was paying the price for the forgiveness. Huh. Look what the Bible says in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, I like it because, listen to me, listen to me. Sometimes it's not possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can you look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm living at peace with everyone the best I can? But Gary, they keep blah, blah, blah. Block them, cut them, get rid of them. But as long as you can. I've told people over and over, recently, don't retaliate. Don't go public. Don't say anything. But, but who cares? We're not responsible for their actions. 
We're responsible for our actions. The Bible doesn't say if it's possible as far as it depends on them. How you treat me, check this out. How you treat me in the 4D world has nothing to do with how I should treat you. Matter of fact, your opinion of me is none of my business. Gary, did you hear what he said about Who cares? Did you hear what she said? I didn't hear it, but I'm sure I've heard it before. I don't care. None of my business. You know why? Because I can't control it. Michelle, I, she can go talk smack about me all day long. <laughs> Guess what? Unless I decide to kill her, I'm not exaggerating, to kill her, I have no control over what she says. I can threaten her. I can pop her in her mouth. I ain't that stupid. I'm messing with no Louisiana girl. But I might be froggy one day and do it. I don't know. You ever seen her wrestling? You sure wouldn't. But guess what? I can pop her square in her mouth. And I know that woman, if she wants to flap that jaw, she's going to flap that jaw. I cannot control her. But I can control me. As much as it depends on me. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. And I hate this last part. Just as Christ forgave you. When I was at my lowest, God forgave me. When I've screwed up over and over and over, God forgave me. Thank God for the forgiveness of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So who are we not to forgive? We're going to decide to take the initiative. Forgiveness is a decision. Third thing. Whew, this one's important. We're going to disengage from your emotions. You will not forgive when you're being emotional. Ladies. Men. Everybody. Disengage from your emotions. <laughs> I don't feel like forgiving people who hurt me. <laughs> me either. Like, am I the only one who doesn't feel like forgiving people who hurt me? Oh, how about this? Am I the only one who, who doesn't want to forgive people who hurt my kids? Mm, hurt me. Don't hurt my kids. Hey, hey, by the way, BTW, these steps right here, forgiveness, still true when they hurt your kids. You can carry that ball and chain around too. Disengage from your emotions. I don't want to forgive those who hurt me. I want to stay mad. They weren't there for me when I was at my lowest point. I don't want to forgive those people. They betrayed the trust I had in them. I don't want to forgive those people. They messed my world up. I don't want to forgive those people. They took something out of context. I don't want to forgive those people. They stole something that was mine. I don't want to forgive those people. I don't feel like it. It's just not there. That's how I am normally when you jerk me around. But I've learned if I wait till I feel like forgiving, I'll never forgive. Because you know what happens we get to, be, get to thinking that our dysfunction 
the anger that we're feeling, the fuel, the hatred, the grudge, the chip, we begin to think it's normal. We begin to get comfortable in our discomfort. We begin to move around and figure out, man, if I hold the ball while I walk, it's easier. We were there last night, and there was a guy with prosthetic legs. And I heard him say, I, I could tell he was really struggling to walk with them. There was actually two people there. There's another guy with prosthetic legs that you would never know. He was just, boom, chicka, boom, you know, just doing his thing like that. And then, I don't know if he was doing it just like that. That's the Gary dance. And, um, but this guy was struggling, struggling. And he kind of stumbled a little bit, and he sat down. And I heard him say to the guy, sorry, just got these. He hadn't got to the point he was comfortable with them yet. Now, neither one of the guys were made to have prosthetic legs. That's unfortunate they had them. But the one guy had become comfortable. I'm sure they were discomfortable to him. I can't imagine that's a comfortable thing. But he had learned to function with them. This guy had not learned to function with them. When you allow your emotions to run you, eventually you get a false sense of comfort. You stay angry all the time, so you think it's normal. People are like, he's just an angry person. That's just the way they are. And it's not the way they are. They become comfortable in their discomfort because their emotions are controlling them. And eventually nobody wants to be around them anymore. And they get more angry because their emotions are running them. We've got to live on the other side of our feelings. Feelings are freaky. Feelings are freaky. You can't trust your feelings all the time. i got to be honest with you. I really don't feel like speaking right now. I have a routine when I speak. I am so OCD on my Sunday morning that it would rock your world. For 20 years now, I get up every day. I leave three hours before the first service starts in my past when I had early services, and I go through a drive-thru, and I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and a Mountain Dew. I will not go to some place that doesn't serve Mountain Dew. I've never missed, ever. 30 minutes before the service, I take another energy drink. That's how I roll. I decided I was getting too fat. We brought on a nutritionist because I'm incompetent, don't know how to lose weight on my own. So the nutritionist gives me this thing, and it doesn't involve a biscuit on Sunday morning. I send my message. I said, that's not going to work on Sunday morning. He said, it's going to work. So here's the deal. This morning I got up, and I had an egg and a piece of bacon. No cheese in those eggs. No biscuit around that cheese, egg, and bacon. No Mountain Dew, a bottle of water. The trainer did say you could have a five-hour energy shot, so I do have that going through me. But then my stomach being empty from not having the awesomeness of the biscuit to suck up the energy drink is doing crazy things up here right now. Basically, it's saying, I hate you, Gary Lamb, and we want a biscuit. We don't care if it's a Martin's biscuit, a Bojangles biscuit, or a Hearts biscuit. We want a biscuit so bad you could have even went to McDonald's today. <laughs> so I really don't feel like teaching today. But guess what? I had responsibility to do. My responsibility is I have to teach. Not only do I not want to teach, I'm dragging because I only had an energy drink and not a Mountain Dew to go with the energy drink. And so you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking to myself, you know my couch is literally two blocks away from here? And Christine told me she's got to go to the store today. And while she goes to the store today, I bet Charlie's going to nap. And guess what? I'm going to nap too. 
So while I'm trying to teach you on forgiveness, my emotions are saying, just shut up and go take a nap. We don't get to live with our emotions is my point. What if I just walked out right now and said, hey, deuces, I'm going to take a nap. I'd be like, what is his deal? He's just in a bad mood. He needs to get his emotions under control. Mm -mm. If I don't feel like forgiving, that probably means I need to forgive. I'm not ready to forgive them yet. Oh, okay, you're teaching them a lesson. Like, you're so, I like, I, I get, I like, I'm on this anti-wussification of America, like political correctness, so let me say it this way. You're just dumb. I'm not ready to forgive them yet. Oh, so you're ready just to keep letting yourself be miserable. How's that working out for you there, Miss Negative? Mr. Negative? God, disengage from your emotions. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it says, if you plant an apple tree, it grows apples. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the things that will come out of our lives if we're walking in the Spirit. It talks about that. And, and you know we know it's an apple tree because it has what on it? Yeah, you guys are quick. We know it's a pear tree if it has what on it? And we know it's a watermelon tree if it has? No such thing as a watermelon tree. So here's the deal. So there's fruit of us walking in the Spirit of God. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, check it out, check it out, check it out, is self-control. You controlling your emotions. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Even God forgives for himself and remembers your sins no more. God's like, bam, forgiveness I just forgot. We serve a God who chooses to forget our mess-ups. He decides to separate. He's, you don't think God, he feels, he's a God of feeling. He doesn't feel the hurt, but he chooses not to remember. He disengages from the emotions. The oh, Don't miss this, I gotta move on. Don't miss this. This is so good. The miracle of forgiveness isn't forgetting what was done to you. It's remembering what was done to you and choosing to forgive even though the emotions rage. Wow. I remember what you did to me. I forgive you. Last. Oh, I like this one. This takes it 4D. Deliver your enemies to God. <laughs> It's kind of hard. But just say, God, they're yours. You deal with them. And I'm going to trust that however you choose to deal with them will be the way they need to be dealt with. Look what the Bible says in Luke 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. When was the last time you prayed for your enemies? When was the last time you prayed for those who hurt you? When was the last time you prayed for those who hurt your marriage, hurt your career, hurt your finances, hurt your children? Can I tell you how the prayer will start? God, I pray for blank. And you're going to stop. I'm going to be honest with you. I pray for 
Jim. You ain't going to be able to get nothing else out. Do it again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And guess what's going to happen? God, I pray for Jim. I hate that mofo. God, I pray today on his way to work he'd have a blowout. I pray something horrible. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest with you. Then it's going to move to this. God, I pray for Jim today. I pray he has a decent day. Then it's going to be, God, I pray you'd bless him. Just a generic bless him. Then over time, God, I pray for Jim. And you're going to find that you're praying for him in the area that he affected you in. I pray for Jim's marriage, God. You would make it awesome. I pray for Jim's career, God. I pray for Jim's relationship with his kids, God. And it's the most empowering thing you've ever done in your life when you can pray for your enemies in that regard. Full disclosure, try to be honest with you, of everything I've taught you today, and I told you I feel like I do a real good job at, it's probably not the best one. I try. And I mean, some people in my life are there. Some people I'm not. I'm still in that, God, I pray for. I can't even get nothing out after it. I mean, like, I, my lips tighten up when I say it, but I can get their name out. Baby steps. Deliver them to God. Here's the deal with God. We don't serve a fair God. That upsets people sometimes. We do not serve a fair God. You don't want fairness in your life. <laughs> you don't want what you deserve. We serve a just God. You've got to trust that God is dealing with the situation the way it needs to be dealt with. And that he knows better than you what needs to happen. And just because you can't see what's happening in that situation doesn't mean God's not working. And when you trust that God's dealing with the situation, forgiveness begins to outflow of your life. 4D living. 4D living. You know how I know I'm engaged in this message? I know about it because I don't have to have my notes to tell you what the points where we're going to defer to God. We're going to decide to take the initiative. We're going to disengage from our emotions. And you're going to deliver those who hurt you back to God and allow him to deal with them. Because he can deal with them way better than you ever thought about dealing with them. Or, or, continue to be miserable. I would say you being miserable doesn't affect us, but it does because we begin to move away from you. We don't want to be around you. Then your miserableness gets worse. So you continue to be miserable. You continue to allow that person who hurts your marriage, hurts your finances, hurts your kids, hurts your career, hurt whatever, let them continue to do it. I'm done sugarcoating stuff to you. You just ought to be a little more sympathetic. No, you ought to grow up. You got one life to live and you're wasting it being bitter 
F that. Screw that. Man, forget that. F-bomb that. Forgive it. 